Today's podcast is brought to you by the 2020 Philadelphia Conference on Reformed Theology. Register now at AllianceNet.org. Stay tuned after the podcast for more about what may be our most popular conference to date. This is Theology on the Go, a brief interview about an eternal truth. This is not a book that displays Christ in any typological or shadowy fashion. This is a book where Christ speaks to us. Welcome to Theology on the Go. I am Jonathan Master, and I am joined here, as always, by James Dalzell. James, good to see you again. Good to be here. And we we love highlighting um, good books, new books, and there's a new book that we wanted to introduce our listeners to, and it's on the the book of Ecclesiastes. It's called Ecclesiastes, Life in a Fallen World. And we have the privilege today of interviewing the author of this book, Dr. Benjamin Shaw. Dr. Shaw, for many years, has been professor of Hebrew and Old Testament at Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary, although by the time this airs, he will be in Florida, and he will be installed as professor of Old Testament at Reformation Bible College. So, Dr. Shaw, thanks for joining us today. Uh, my pleasure. Now, I, I know you wrote this book uh, several years ago, though it's just recently been published by the Banner of Truth. And I, I wanted to ask a question, first of all, kind of retrospectively. As mm-hmm. you spent all this time in the book of Ecclesiastes, teaching it and then even writing on it, what contribution does Ecclesiastes make to our understanding of the world, of our lives, of the Lord? Uh, what, 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 are the, what are the big takeaways of this book of Ecclesiastes? It's a book that a lot of people avoid or perhaps find very puzzling because it has some negative statements in it. Yeah, I would say that what Ecclesiastes contributes is practical advice. The way I described it in the introduction to the book is that this is Jesus speaking to his sheep and telling them, look, the world you live in, even though you're redeemed and you've been given a new heart and a new life, the world that you live in is still groaning, to use the Romans language. And this is what you need to expect from it. uh, And this is how you are to live in it. You know, keep your expectations of the world pretty low is one way of of summarizing part of the message of the book. You know, the next election uh, is not going to solve the moral issues in the United States. And those who put their hope in political change or in societal change uh, are putting their hopes in the wrong things. That's a helpful dose of realism that we need. And I think that's why people find the book so arresting. And, And I've even heard sermons on this book that have suggested that it can't possibly be a book for believers because it does offer uh, such a, I would say, realistic, but some might say grim analysis of the expectations we should have in life. But you're saying it's a, it's a healthy dose of realism to set our expectations the right way. Yes, uh, I think that. In fact, I think that's probably the most painful thing about the book for a lot of people is just how realistic uh, it is. There, there are no illusions. There are no rose-colored glasses here. Uh, this is the world the way it is. You know, when when Adam ate the fruit and creation fell, that fall affected everything. 
not just men and not just animals, but society, the whole, the way everything runs uh, was affected by the fall. Jonathan asked the question, you know, is this for Christians? And in the, in the intro to your book, you, you discuss certain New Testament passages that echo this same shared outlook. I don't want to say depressing, though I almost wanted to ask the question, why is Ecclesiastes so depressing? But I think you've, you've spoken about it a little bit. But how does the New Testament agree with this assessment of the current state of affairs that we find in Ecclesiastes? Yeah. I, I would say that there are, I cite two passages in the book, but I've, I've recently come to the conclusion that there's at least one more. But Romans 8 in verses 20 and, uh, and following, where it talks about the uh, creation groaning until the full redemption of the children of God. Uh, James for the end of the chapter where he rebukes those who are so confident about what they're going to do tomorrow and the next day and the next year, uh, reminding them that their life is but a vapor. He doesn't use precisely the same language that Ecclesiastes does, but it's the same idea that, that our life here is passing. It's brief and not to be, we can't speak with confidence about tomorrow except under the Deo Valente, God wills. Um, and then there's Second uh, Corinthians, uh, where Paul talks about you know, just the the weakness uh, of this. You know that we are we're jars of clay, and the contrast between the present lightness, if you will, and the coming weight of glory that we're being prepared for. As you're saying this, it occurs to me maybe we could say Ecclesiastes is the reminder that here we have no lasting city. Exactly. So in terms of the book, how do, where do we find the resolution to that? Um, I, I, we can point to the gospel, but how does Ecclesiastes itself uh, point us to the gospel and, and point us to the resolution rather than just simply saying, well, this is fleeting, it's passing uh, a few short years and return to the dust. It, it, does, it does leave us with some hope. What is the, what is the nature of that? Well, I, I think what Ecclesiastes does is it open the, the first four chapters of the book are really, I think, reflections on Genesis 1 to 4 and just the, the creation and fall and what the fall has brought to uh, human life. Um, but then, interesting thing, at the end of Genesis chapter 4, you get that one verse uh, that says, Then men began to call on the name of the Lord. And you get to the end of Ecclesiastes 4, and then he launches into remember God. You know, be careful in speaking before God. Uh, don't take God lightly and, and ultimately fear God. And I, I don't take Ecclesiastes' use of that phrase, the fear of God, as anything other than really uh, an Old Testament uh, I, I think if you look at the way the fear of God is used in the Old Testament, it tends to be pretty much equivalent to the New Testament use of faith or belief. And so, uh, fear God and obey his commandments. And then that colors the second half of the book. And then when he gets to the very end, he wraps it all up and he says, fear God and do what he commands, because this is what, this is what makes man whole. And he will bring everything into judgment. Dr. Shaw, in terms of the book itself that you wrote, and by the way, I, I should say this right now to our listeners. I, I read the book. I, I thought it was it was helpful. I wish I had had it. I, I preached through Ecclesiastes recently, and I thought this was a really helpful synopsis that I wish I had had 
at the time because I think the way you put things and summarize things is very helpful. But who was it that you had in mind as you wrote this book? Sometimes we have authors on who are writing very technical things. This was not quite as technical. So who who would you want to have this in, in their hands? The person in the pew. Uh, that's who I wrote it for. Uh, I think I've got a certain gift for writing to that audience. And that's what this book is. Uh, as you say, it's not a technical commentary. It's not even a a verse by verse commentary. It's really more of a uh, a section by section explaining this is what this passage means and this is what this passage has to say to us. I could easily imagine someone choosing this for uh, a time of devotions where mm-hmm. you're reading a section of scripture and then you're reading. A, I will say for the person in the pew a a manageably sized uh, chapter that Dr. Shaw has crafted, usually a, a few a few pages, 22 chapters uh, to walk you through the book. But I, I do think it is I do think it is helpful because the the layperson reads Ecclesiastes and thinks that there must be something going on here that that he doesn't see on the surface, and how to sort of situate and understand those passages in the context of the whole, but also in their integrity as as individual pericopes or sections of the book. Yeah, and that's really my intent uh, in the book is to, you know, uh, just guide the reader through the, through the book of Ecclesiastes and, and make application. So. Dr. Shaw, I had a question that I think is often asked when we read through Old Testament books um, in, the, in the way that we were just talking about devotionally reading through them. Sometimes people will say, you know, how can I find Christ in this text? And you have a, a little section where you talk about that. You alluded to it earlier in this conversation. You said that Jesus is is speaking through Ecclesiastes, but you actually contrast that in the book and you say, there. I, I believe he's speaking through Ecclesiastes, but in a sense, I'm not going to refer to him too much in my exposition of Ecclesiastes. Could you Could you distinguish... For our listeners, what, what you're saying here, you say, you know, the reader is not going to find advice on finding Christ in Ecclesiastes from this book, and yet Christ himself is speaking through the book. I thought that was a helpful description, and I wonder if you could expand on it, because I think that's often a struggle when we read the Old Testament. Yeah, I, the way I see it is, you know, we go to uh, Leviticus, and Leviticus, there's some obvious elements there. The sacrifice is obviously a type of the sacrifice of Christ, or Moses in Exodus, obviously a type of Christ, and pointing us to look to Christ. Uh, and, and so, often people's approach is to look for, okay, uh, we've got this book, and what are the verses in there that point us to Christ? You know, where do we find the type? Where do we find the shadow? Where do we find the image of Christ in this book? And I think with Ecclesiastes, I think that's a wrong approach. I think, as I say in the book, that this is not a book that displays Christ in any typological or shadowy uh, fashion. This is a book where Christ speaks to us. And so what we, what we hear in this book is the voice of Christ. Uh, now, obviously, Solomon wrote it, or at least I think obviously Solomon wrote it. 
But Solomon, as uh, one of the great types of Christ in the Old Testament, certainly uh, the wise king of Israel, had his own shortcomings, as all the types do. Uh, But he speaks to us, and in his words, Christ speaks to us, so that we hear the voice of Christ. We don't, uh, we don't, as it were, see Christ. That is helpful. We're we're hearing Christ, uh, not seeing a type of Christ. This is Christ preaching to us, yeah. uh, even before his incarnation through the uh, the King of Israel, Doctor Shaw. We really appreciate you coming on and uh, discussing this with us. We think that our listeners will really benefit from time spent in the book of Ecclesiastes and with your book at their side, uh, guiding them through it. And we are thankful that you've written this and we strongly commend it uh, to our readers, our listeners. Thank you. Your readers, our listeners. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks very much for coming on. Really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, it was my pleasure. James, I've had the opportunity twice to preach through the book of Ecclesiastes. Once was very early on in my uh, pastoral ministry. And then once was, fairly recent within the last couple years. Was there a difference in the way you preached? Well, yeah, I, th- I hope there was. I think oh. there was. I will say this. It was interesting. These were evening sermons, the more recent uh, run through, and the amount of feedback was considerable. And I think that's attributable to the fact that it is a book that stands out in the scriptures and it contrasts with a lot of preaching and, and teaching that we normally hear, certainly in popular circles, but even, you know, I think in our own understanding of, of the scriptures. You mean in its assessment of the world yes, and our place yes, in it? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And I think glory. that dose of realism was actually very comforting for a lot of people in our congregation, some some of whom were, were struggling in, in many ways, and yet they found that realistic assessment helpful because, because it, it made them realize that what they were going through was to be expected in some sense. I think that sometimes we may be overly triumphalistic uh, in our Christian faith, and we expect the Bible to affirm that triumphalism, uh, and then we find a book that doesn't. Right uh, now, there are, and as even as Dr. Shaw brought up in our interview, there are other passages that confirm that. But I, I think part of it is it's not just the scriptures that give us other expectations; it's it's our our own sort of evangelical culture exactly that exactly. tells us i mean there's a hymn we sing sometimes that says we should never be discouraged right and i i can imagine a way in singing that and understanding the meaning of it but i think sometimes what it conveys is um this side of glory um even now there should be no pain no suffering no tears no sense of any futility ever everything is imbued with great purpose everything lasts forever you realize that a good bit of our place in this world and our labor in it is, in fact, a moment that is passing quickly. You familiar with this line? It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. And then there are mornings I wake up, and I think, no, I don't think I am. Right. Well, we would commend to our listeners a thorough reading of the book of Ecclesiastes, and and I think this, this book is a helpful guide. If you'd like to enter to possibly win a copy of this book, you can do that on placefortruth.org. Go to the Theology on the Go link. There'll be a place for you to click and enter for Ecclesiastes, Life in a Fallen World by Benjamin Shaw. It's published by Banner of Truth, where we are Banner of Truth enthusiasts unabashedly. And so uh, if you'd like to enter to win a copy of this book, we'd, we'd love to give you the chance to do that. 
And thank you, as always, for listening. If you're able to donate, you can do that on AllianceNet.org or PlaceForTruth.org. Both of those have a donate button. Pass along the podcast to someone else uh, whom you think might may be helped by it. And thanks, as always, for listening to Theology on the Go, a brief interview about an eternal truth. For the first time, the Philadelphia Conference on Reformed Theology will focus on a single book of the Bible. Plan now to join Philip Ryken, Derek Thomas, Joel Beakey, and others for Revelation, the Sovereign Reign of the Exalted Christ, March 13th through the 15th in Grand Rapids, and April 24th through the 26th in Philadelphia. This long-awaited conference may prove to be the most popular to date. Register now. Select events at AllianceNet.org to sign up online or call 1-800-488-1888.